0: Hey, welcome to the Anchor Room Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Rigo greeting you from the airwaves, and I'm joined here by my friend and colleague Matt Correa. Say hello, Matt. Hey, what's up y'all?
1: Matt Correa here. I'm really excited to be on the Anchor Room Podcast for the first time. Woo
0: woo. Yep. Well, hey man. Um, well, we always like to start off with some very important questions to get to the core of who we are as people. Mm-hmm. And Matt, um, one of the things I really enjoy uh, when I, we get to hang out and talk about life is hearing about all your core group pranks. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, would you please tell me some of, one of your most memorable pranks that you did as a core group? Ooh, I don't know if I should be proud that there
1: are so many to choose from, um, because that was definitely something that when I was a student, we as a house would do, shout out to Camp Hope and Blake Thompson, who was part of those, and even as a core group, we would often um, prank our sister core group throughout the year. I think one of my most memorable pranking experiences was our fourth year, we had one of the guys that was in our house in Camp Hope was leading a core group of guys, of, of a second-year guys, no, third-year guys at the time, and we decided, or second-year guys, I'm <laughs> trying to remember, but he was having a one-on-one with the students that we all loved, and we decided to kidnap the student <laughs> during their one-on-one, and so we set it up with a core group leader, to be at a certain spot at a certain time, which was the Homer statue. And we all rolled up in a van, our entire house. (laughs) We parked near the amphitheater, start running, and we go, we see the corporate leader there with the guy in their corporate group, we run up to them, we grab the guy, we start saran wrapping him, (laughs) and we carry him over our heads into the van and at this t- at this point, the guy is like laughing, loving it. He, he literally said, "This is the best day of my life." So we took him and drove him in the van all the way to the chateau, dropped him off in front of their the tree in front of their house, just kind of placed him there. He was all wrapped in saran wrap and couldn't move. And then knocked on the chateau the chateau door and left, and just kind of like watched from a distance. And they opened up their door and they just see this guy, just totally wrapped in saran wrap, um, on their front front door so confused but so happy he's having the best day of his
0: life that's that amazing. was one of our uh, favorite <laughs> pranks that we did our fourth year <laughs> wow that's so great i i love hearing these stories and yeah uh prankage is uh pranking wars and you know all the pranks we do is definitely a way that we grow in community and an affinity for each other you know mm-hmm. um as as we, you know, make sure we love each other along the way yep. and do things that won't offend or hurt one another. Um, but that's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that fun little tidbit here. I'm sure many of our listeners appreciated hearing that. Um, many more stories that I will gladly share. Just, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Well, um, speaking of community, uh, we are in the midst of a special week here In our community, uh, we've taken some intentional time to focus on missions this week. And we had one of our alumni uh, missionary speakers this past Monday, Andrew Foster, come and share the word with us. He did such an excellent job. Um, And we're so grateful for him and the work that he and his wife Jess are doing in Spain. Um, and we also had prayer for the nations mm-hmm. on Tuesday and we are in the midst of also collecting a special offering for our guest missionaries this week. And so part of that, oh, and we also had our go meeting on Monday uh, where Andrew and Jess also talked about missions and, and all that. And, and so I thought that for our podcast this week, we would focus on missions and, and, and also uh, I want to invite Matt along because Uh, He's had a very interesting story into missions, and so Matt, I want you to begin by just telling us about how God gave you a heart for missions as a student, and then we'll go from there. So let's just start there. How did God give you a heart for missions um, as you were a student here at UVA through Chi Alpha? Yeah, so when I got to UVA, I didn't really have a concept or
1: understanding of what missions was. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know that that was a thing. Yeah. But at Fall Retreat my first year, Dick Brogdon, mm-hmm. who is a live dead missionary, came to Fall Retreat and was our Fall Retreat speaker. And it just kind of started to click and make sense. He was just sharing mm-hmm. about how people had never, some people have never had the chance to hear about Jesus. And I remember reflecting and being like, okay. Jesus is the most important thing in my life and has, has transformed my life. And there are people who have never had a chance to meet Jesus mm-hmm. who will never have a chance to meet Jesus. So what am I going to do about it? It was just mm-hmm. like a very logical, like, well, yeah, there are some people who won't have the chance. I've had the chance. Kind of, what will I do about it? And it yeah. really kicked off my heart for the nations my first year, just really thinking about, how could I play a role in bringing
0: God's word to the nations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we hear so many times of, yeah, one, actually, something I heard recently was that many students actually begin to consider a, a life or a career in ministry or missions after having contact with a missionary guest speaker or hearing of, of stories of, of missionaries on the field and things like that. Um, but apart from, from hearing Dick Brogdon and, and your exposure to missionaries through Chi Alpha, what were some other elements that helped you in your journey of discernment as you, were, you began feeling this tug on your heart from the Lord? Were, were there any other aspects of, of the ministry that helped you process your calling? Yeah, there were a couple. Um,
1: I remember I went to the World Mission Summit. Oh, yes. Second year. So for those of you that don't know, the World Mission Summit is a Chi Alpha-wide Conference where we have four or five thousand students get together. Every it is four. lit, so lit. Every four years, and we have missionaries from all around the world join us. Uh, Rigo, I know uh, some important information just dropped on the World Mission Summit. If you want to share that, yeah,
0: definitely. So, uh, so we'll do a little pause here. But uh, yes, for those of you who don't know, the World Mission Summit was actually scheduled to occur over winter break this year. However, because of Rona. And uh, all the challenges of the pandemic, uh, that has had to be postponed. And we just received news this week that the World Mission Summit has been rescheduled to January 6th through the 8th of 2022. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, put that on your calendar. I don't want to hear any excuses. It is going to be an amazing time um and I'm so excited cuz similarly to you Matt I know you're about to say great things but the World Mission Summit has also been very impactful for me. I'm excited mm-hmm. we get to do this. All right. So the World Mission Summit. Tell World us Mission about Summit. it. Yeah, so I went to the World Mission
1: Summit and through a series of a lot of different divine appointments the Lord was putting uh, a country in Central Eurasia on my heart and I got to the World Mission Summit, mm-hmm. spoke with some missionaries from there mm-hmm. and committed to going that summer. After yeah. my second year, yeah. to that country, I was there for ten weeks, and really, I think what's really what was really big for me was having firsthand experience with the unreached. Mm-hmm. I remember one time we were in a mountain village sharing the gospel, and this widow began to weep, and she just asked us, "Why has no one ever told me this before?" Wow! Yeah, and so that was something that was really impactful in my my journey to mm-hmm. process missions and consider missions, and even. The following year, I went to I went on a spring break trip to North yeah. Africa, yeah. to the country where I ended up and giving a year later on. But that was also really impactful, and mm-hmm. taking advantage of that spring break opportunity. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that, and I've said this before, Matt, but spring breaks uh, here with uh, with Kai Alpha are one of the highlights of what I get to do on staff here. I love the way the guide uses one week in students' lives in such pivotal ways. Um, I love being a part of that. I love getting to work with our missionary partners around the world and and just see a greater vision for what God's doing around the world. And yeah, for me personally also, it was through a short-term mission trip that I also started processing a career ministry mission. So I know it is such an important time and an experience that um, a student can have in their time here. Okay, Matt, so you serve on a short-term mission trip, God wrecks you, you decide, okay, I want to come back here for a full year after graduating. First of all, what were some costs that you had to consider in giving a year right after graduation? I'd love to hear from your perspective um, and from maybe even your personal story, like what, what were some of those costs that um, might have been unique to you as you considered God, where God is leading you after graduation? Yeah,
1: one of the first things that comes to mind is I, for those of you that don't know, I'm Brazilian. I come from a Latino home. I'm a first generation college student, first gen American. Represent, yep. And um, that just comes with a lot of baggage and cultural expectations of yes. what, you know, my parents immigrated here. Sacrificed so much for me, and there was this idea of how am I going to throw away right. my degree yes. for so that I could go and 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 do this thing for that they didn't understand, and that was a really tough conversation to have with my parents, yeah. um, and they didn't, I don't. I wouldn't say they came to a point of fully understanding the why behind it, but that was something that I had to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. Trusting the Lord that he would ultimately provide for my family because he loves my family more than I ever can. He can provide for my family better than I ever will be able to and really putting them into his hands. Such a good point, man. Yeah. So that was a really big cost to think about. And another cost was there are two other things that come to mind. First, I was in the comm school as a student Mm -hmm. and you're in this environment where your worth and your identity is defined by your job and what job you get. Mm-hmm. And as I had interned somewhere after my third year, I was trying to wrestle with, similarly tied to my parents' situation, of do I go into the, the marketplace or not? Mm-hmm. Um, but my job was really gracious enough to allow me to defer my offer for a year, hey.
0: which was really high. Which level. is, by the way, something that is very common out there. Super so, common. For anyone considering a year... There are oftentimes companies who will let you defer a year so you can go have, uh, give you your experience or you know travel around the world, whatever you want to do. But that's a very common thing, by the way. Super keep, common. Yeah, keep going, and man. I would love to talk to you about that if you were trying to figure out <laughs> yes, how talk to
1: ask my boss to let me defer <laughs> for a year. Amen. So, And then I think the last thing there was I had to die to my sense of safety mm-hmm. during that time. I was going with two of my friends from, from UVA. We all lived together. And about a month or two before we went, this was at the height of ISIS, mm-hmm. being in control, or not in control, but having a lot of influence and causing a lot of destruction and damage in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And about a month or month and a half before we went, there was a pretty tragic ISIS attack mm-hmm. um, not too far from where we were li- going to be living. And you know, we were trying to process and understand what does that mean for us and what does that mean for our safety and will we still go? Mm -hmm. And trying to trust, be wise, but also trust the Lord that there is a a plan for this place in North Africa that we were going to. So that was also a a big cost that we myself and the
0: two other guys that went with meet mm-hmm. and process and pray though. yeah wow that's awesome i mean i'm you know it just reminds me of, of how when we go into missions there are tangible personal costs that we have to to weigh but then there's also yeah other costs that we may not even think will be a cost until we we get we sign the paper so to speak and get ready to go and realize oh mm-hmm. shoot you know even this could actually cost my life. Yeah. You know, I, I'm putting myself at risk. And mm-hmm. but is the gospel still worth it? Yeah. You know, is but is Jesus still worth it? Yeah. And these are very tangible and real things that we have to wrestle with mm-hmm. along the way to say yes to Jesus. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm so I'm so thankful you shared that, Matt, and, and even especially your story as a myself as a fellow Latino American. I can identify so much with uh, some of that wrestling you had to do with your family. Yeah. So you give a year uh, in North Africa, and then you come back. What happens next? So I was
1: very torn about coming back. <laughs> I remember at one point emailing Pete, saying, Pete, we need to talk. <laughs> and it was while I was in North Africa. And I was like, Pete, I need you to give me some reasons to come back to America because I don't want to. Mm. And I remember talking to Pete and this idea of, not rushing what the Lord had for me was really important. And also the fact that I had given my word somewhere and I wanted to honor that. And also that this would be a good way to honor my parents almost in the sense of, okay, I gave a year to ministry. Why why don't I give a year to the marketplace Mm -hmm. for a lack of (laughs) better words? I I didn't think that that's where I would end up long-term. But so I come back, I moved to DC with some Mm -hmm. friends and I started working as a consultant mm-hmm. um, and ended up actually staying in the marketplace for about three years mm. before transitioning back into ministry.
0: Yeah, but, but did you envision staying there three years or were you looking at it more like a one-year thing in the marketplace and then, like, as I figure out what's next? Yeah, definitely thought it was going to be a one-and-done <laughs>
1: scenario, Yeah, but I think the Lord used that season to teach me things that, to teach, teach me things you. in an environment that would have been a little bit safer for me to fail, mm-hmm. and also just the Lord unpack a lot of things from my past over those mm-hmm. three years that I didn't necessarily brought to Him nor wanted to heal. Yeah, that would make me a better minister of the
0: gospel. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so it wasn't it was my, it was my plan to to be only there for a year and then move somewhere overseas. And you know, here yeah. I am over four years, three mm-hmm. yeah, four years since mm-hmm. coming back from being overseas. Yeah. Still confident that I'm where the Lord has me, but also uh, thinking about what what is my plan, and what is my role in, in, in God's heart for the nations.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I just want to make, uh, maybe draw out another thing. Um, how did God use those three years in the marketplace to prepare you for where he was leading? Because I think a lot of times maybe some of us might be tempted to feel like the current place where God has us is not as important or impactful to where he's taking us. Mm. But you, you already alluded to it a bit, but I'd love to just kind of be more specific or I guess more intentional about drawing that point out. Yeah, I think there was, on a personal
1: level, there were things the Lord wanted to do in me mm-hmm. so that I could be healthier. There were things the Lord wanted to teach me to show me that I was idolizing. I think one of my biggest lessons in the marketplace, and this is kind of a side mm-hmm. plug here that I want to, share with y'all is that no job is worth your soul Mm -hmm. my first job that i was in when i came back from tunisia as a consultant for a year and a half really was i did not have a good work-life balance Mm -hmm. and demanded so much of me to the point where my physical relational emotional and spiritual health were jeopardized which Mm -hmm. is why i switched jobs and worked at another job for another year and a half Mm -hmm. i think that was just a quick side plug of Mm -hmm. yeah that's a, a banner that I'll wave. that no job yeah. is worth your soul write that down you know um, but I think on a practical level how that time in the marketplace prepared me for ministry one I was part of working with very diverse international teams which was really important in figuring out how do I how do I keep my witness in this season how do I make the gospel attainable and and presented to people from different backgrounds from different yeah. cultures from different yeah. religions different experiences a lot of people who have been hurt by the church mm-hmm. were some of my coworkers, and those were all things that i had to learn how to do well which i think yeah. equipped me now as a campus minister to be able to mm-hmm. minister to other
0: people well yeah that's so cool man i i really appreciate hearing that and and, yeah, I think that that should be an encouragement to anyone going into the marketplace. Mm-hmm. That the marketplace is still a, a place where we need disciples of Christ. Yes. And there are a lot of needs there. And and I'm thankful to even hear the way that you were processing what you were doing there and, and not, not seeing it as wasted time. And for those of you that, that don't know, I remember um, – at being on staff and seeing Matt come in and out and sometimes even join us at retreats when we were in DC and Matt continued to be a faithful uh, supporter of Chi Alpha, even while he was in the marketplace. And I remember him um, giving towards ministry projects, giving towards student retreats. And that's just as important um, as going to missions and Um, he's, he's probably too humble to say that, but I remember him using the way God provided for him to provide for other students to have the experiences that he had in Chi Alpha. And I think, um, that's an amazing thing because we don't know the full impact that we have for the kingdom when we sow into it. And I just want to encourage you guys to practice the, the art or what the discipline, the discipline of giving um, and, and letting God transform and use what you give for his kingdom. Just a little side plug right there. Yeah, I know. I think that's good, I think that's really important.
1: You know, some things that I remember my fourth year, when we talked about in Springboard, which is a something that we offer for our fourth-year students when they're thinking about following Jesus in the marketplace, I remember Pete mentioning to let our giving dictate our standard of living, mm-hmm. and that was something that was really important to me I want my finances to glorify God first mm-hmm. um, and how can I live generously, even if that means that if I'm living in Northern Virginia instead of in D.C., like that's okay. I'm saving some money on rent and that is not a loss mm-hmm. for me. That's what I encourage you guys is if you're thinking about going in the marketplace and being in the marketplace, I think there's, in our culture right now, there is a stigma of mm-hmm. Not talking about everyone says oh the two things you don't talk about are religion and politics mm-hmm. and I think that that is a tactic of the enemy to silence us. Mm-hmm. If we want to be Christ ambassadors in the marketplace, we need to share what we believe in. Mm-hmm. Something that Pete also mentions in, in Springboard is that you know on Friday afternoon when everyone's getting ready to go mm-hmm. home for the week. And for the weekend, everyone's going to ask you, what are you doing this weekend? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you come back into the office on Monday morning, the first thing people are going to ask you is, what did you do this weekend? And I think there's such a good opportunity to share about our experiences at church, what that means to us. I was talking to a student the other day of, like, we forget the normalcy of Jesus in our lives, Mm -hmm. how he is such a part of our lives. then we extract him from that when we're interacting. But it's, no, oh, yeah. What did you begin? Oh, I went to church. Hey, actually, we talked about grace and forgiveness, and it really impacted me because right. there's X, Y, Z, and next thing you know, you've just
0: shared a little bit of the gospel absolutely. with someone without, because it's right. normal, because it's a part right. of your life. Yeah, absolutely. You're not necessarily preaching to somebody. You're just sharing personally from your experience, just like they would if they found an awesome show they like, right. or they watched a the movie, or they had this awesome experience of an amusement park that they I would share can. with you. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um so you you spent three years in the marketplace and then you said all right it's time now to go back into ministry into missions so what was that like uh, what was that journey like that led you back to here Chi Alpha at UVA um, so tell us about that yeah there were some there
1: was a lot of things that I was processing I felt the Lord tugging on my heart at kind of healing and and doing a lot in me to be able to go back into ministry and I was trying to figure out Lord does this mean, do I go overseas does this Mm -hmm. mean I do campus ministry and as I was praying and processing I was just reminded of my time in Chi Alpha how I was transformed by the community here and also Mm -hmm. wanted to be able to come back and share with students what it's like to follow Jesus in the marketplace. What it's like to have some experience in ministry and the marketplace. What it, you know, what, what can that look like for them? And mm-hmm. as I was processing that decision, there were a lot of costs to be paid. Right. There were more conversations to be had yeah. with my parents. so mm-hmm. they thought I had gotten over that little kick. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, you know that that missions bug. But realizing, okay, you have this conversation again of me stepping back into ministry. And then there was also financial cost mm. of the pay cut right, <laughs> that, I, <laughs> yeah. that I took, and um, but I have plenty, and I, you know, the Lord has provided so graciously. But there was just kind of this. I was just reminded of the idea that discipleship changes the world, mm. and something that we talk about in KAI Alpha is that the university is the most strategic mission field in mm-hmm. the world because mm-hmm. many of our students from here go off to be. Right. People in important positions—they go talk to be teachers, they all have to be government workers, businessmen, lawyers—and yes. yeah. And I think now, having graduated over five years ago, I see my friends in those positions and see the influence they have in people around them, and just being reminded of wow, the work that we do here in Kai Alpha really does impact people. Yes. Um, down the line.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, that's awesome, man. And I'm so grateful that you've taken time to just share a little bit of your journey Um, because yeah, what I hear is that, you know, your journey wasn't always crystal clear and there were big costs that you had to consider. Um, And as we close, um, I'd love for you to maybe take some time to answer maybe you know, what would you say to someone who is considering missions, whether they're a recent grad, right? So somebody who is right now in the marketplace or somebody who is getting ready to graduate and they're considering life in the marketplace or a season or a life in missions. What would you say to someone who's like getting ready to enter this crossroads, so to speak? Yeah, I think there are two things come to mind. The first one is...
1: We sometimes kind of put this huge emphasis on calling and God's calling for us, and we have a primary calling, right, which is to make disciples of all nations. Mm -hmm. But I think what that stat that stays the same. We as believers are to make disciples, but we forget that that like the expression of that primary calling in our lives is really dynamic. That if we go into ministry or if we go into the marketplace, like that may not be where the Lord has us for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we think that, okay, I am in ministry, so, where I'm going into this job, so this is where I will be for the rest of mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. But I think it takes a daily submission to the Lord to see yeah. what you have for me this day? And one day that might be, hey, transition into ministry or transition into the marketplace mm-hmm. or go get a, another job because this one isn't allowing you to thrive. Mm-hmm. So I just want to emphasize that, that whatever whatever you do right after you graduate, may not be what you do for the rest of your life, Mm and that is okay because God is dynamic in our following of Him. That's the first thing. The second thing, if you are considering it, I'd say go for it. My (laughs) giving Year experience was honestly one of my most fun times. I got to go with two of my best friends, Mm -hmm. and we just got to bumble around Mm -hmm. North Africa trying to figure out how to learn Arabic, how to Mm -hmm. love others well. We got to experience different cultures, different cuisine, Um, where I was, like one of my favorite foods in the world now, Mm. and I think, you know, God also, there's a phrase that like God also takes volunteers, Mm. and all of us really do have a year that we can give to something, and I just encourage you to take a step of faith, I know a lot of the times the default is, I will stay unless God asks me to go, and I just challenge you to flip that mindset of, hey, maybe I'll go unless Mm -hmm. God asks me to stay. And Amen. I just encourage you to just take that step of faith, bring a friend along with you, yeah, bring to you know two, yeah. hey why not why doesn't your whole house maybe just go Yeah, let's go we're taking volunteers. Yeah. Let's go live for Jesus in North Africa or in you know, the Indian Ocean, wherever it may be. Yeah.
0: Email me right now if you wanna come along, we'll we'll see where we can send you. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And awesome. truly giving a year, giving a year is so
1: fun and we get to partner with God yes. for what he's doing Amen. and we get to see what he
0: might want to do with us for the rest of our lives in that. Definitely. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed hearing Matt's story and his heart for missions. We're so blessed to have him on staff. And I definitely want to encourage you to take him up on his offer. If uh, you're, you're considering uh, going into the marketplace or going into ministry, what could that look like? I think Matt could be a great resource for you and he would love to hang out with you and talk to you about that. Um, So we are so Blessed to have him here. So, thanks for tuning in, guys. We are excited for what God is doing in the midst of our community with our alumni, with missions, um, and here at UVA as well. So, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you out there again. We'll see you all next week, everyone. Yeah, like Rigo said, hit me up. We'd
1: love to chat with you as you think about or process what might be next for you.
0: Amen. All right, peace out, Kayapa family.